Hey. Good morning, everyone. Let's come together. We're going to get into the Word of God. Amen. Yes. And then we're going to... You better get ready, because we are then going to invite the Holy Spirit to activate in each and every one of us. It's going to be awesome. All right. Wow, this sounds really loud. You can bring that down a little. We are in our series on the coming of the Son of Man, because he's coming. He is coming, and it is the... It will change everything, but the, the reality is Jesus' return is the answer to every prayer we've ever prayed. It's the reality of your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, we get to see glimpses of that now, but on that day, nothing will be left untouched, and everything will be changed. And I believe that day is coming soon. The Bible says it's coming quickly. Amen? So um, we've been in the book of Revelation. Today we're going to be looking specifically in chapter 10. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up or a device where you like to read the scripture. Um, We'll also put it up on the the wall here as we always do. Before we do that, though, um, I just felt prompted to um, acknowledge the, well, I, my, my attention was taken by some numbers today. Now, I don't normally get into all the numbers, um, but if you ever read the Bible, numbers are pretty significant. God loves to number things. Um, there's a trinity, three of them. There's 12 disciples, 12 nations in Israel. I mean, numbers are important. He rose on the third day. Um, so every once in a while, I like to pay attention when I feel like my, my attention is alerted. And so um, specifically today, every time I was Opening up my Google Doc for um, today's message, I saw 828, 828, 828, 828. And this morning, the Lord's like, Romans 828, dude. Um, So um, probably a well-known passage, but I felt like a promise that God wanted to highlight. And maybe you needed to hear it again and again and again. Romans 828, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. We need to be reminded that in all the things, God is working. And in all the things, he's doing something good. Amen? The things may not be good, but because you belong to Jesus, he will turn it for your good. And that's really good news. So I just wanted to remind you that, because sometimes we need to be reminded that he's working good, no matter what's going on. Amen? Uh, the other number that, and that, that's actually really significant even in, for the message today, but the other thing that, that came to me, uh, Benjamin, was while you were sharing your testimony, you said nine months, and we celebrate nine months, um, but I felt like I wanted to encourage you, but anyone else, um, maybe it's only me, but have you ever been in a place where um, you've asked the Lord, he's delivered, and you're maybe living in a, in a place of answered prayer or of freedom, but there's a question in your mind like, at any moment, this could change. What if I lose this thing? What if I lose this space I'm in? And I felt the Holy Spirit saying nine is important. So I looked up um, the biblical significance of the number nine. It was at the ninth hour that Jesus gave up his spirit. 
And so the number nine symbolizes in the scripture divine completeness or the finality of fullness. And I believe the Lord wants to tell you, Benjamin, the work is complete. As of nine months, you're never going back. Don't entertain the questions. But anyone else in the room, his testimony is a testimony to you. You know, the Lord broke through on your finances a few months ago, but you're like waiting for the next. The Lord says, no, no, no. The work is finished. It's complete. And I just want to give you that promise today. Amen? Receive that if that's for you. That's right. It's in nature. Nine months, here you are. So God brings to birth his promises in nine months. You're just prophesying. Uh, maybe I should just tell you what we're talking about today. Um, in our uh, Coming of the Son of Man series today, we're talking about having a prophetic spirit, which is God's provision for every believer at the end of the age. Um, you know, and we've been talking in the book of Revelation through these, these previous chapters about, one, that God has sealed his people, that the elect are protected and they are secure, because we're on God's side, Romans 8, 28, if God's for us, who can be against us? Amen. That's all true, right? We've talked about the election and the protection of God and that we are more than conquerors. But today we want to talk about that there is provision for his people in an age of confusion. The prophetic spirit, the Holy Spirit, the voice of God is our provision in the midst of an age of confusion. How many of you feel like it might be a spirit of confusion at work in the world today? All right. Um, <laughs> so this is so necessary and so needed. Aren't you glad that the Lord has already promised that he will give it to us? In the midst of the greatest times of tribulation on earth, there will be great revelation in the church. His provision for us is his spirit of revelation, the prophetic spirit, in an age of confusion. You know, we talked about, well, we're going to get there. So that's, that's where we're going. And, and I'm going to hopefully keep this morning's message brief because at the end, uh, we're going to actually bring in all y'all and the kids, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to release the prophetic spirit on every one of us. We need it today that we live in. But would you just pray with me as we jump into the word of God? Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you equip us for what you call us to, and you've called us to live in this age. So we say, Lord, we are not afraid, but we're asking for the fullness of your provision, that we would come up short in no good thing that you give us. No good gift of the Holy Spirit would be lacking in us, but we would be abundant in the grace of God that you're giving us for the hour that we live in. So give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation as we look to your word. If you agree, say amen. Amen. So I'm just cutting to the chase. Had a lot more in here. But, um, you know, we've been, again, we've been talking about um, in the midst of God's judgments, which we've been looking at in Revelation, like the, the seals are broken and judgments released. Trumpets sound, judgments released. But made it so clear last week that none of those judgments are aimed at you if you belong to Jesus. And that's such good news. Uh, you, are, uh, you are sealed. You're protected. But we cannot 
miss another piece of the story that Jesus so clearly taught us uh, in Matthew 24, and we're going to look at it. But in the time of the end before he comes will be a time of great pressure. Now, God's judgments will not be directed at you. They're directed at the Antichrist kingdom and the people of the earth that say no to Jesus. They will, they will incur and experience the judgment of God. You will not. But the time will be a pressure upon you because the reason God is disciplining or, let's say, punishing or sending his judgment on the Antichrist kingdom of the earth is because the kingdoms of this world will persecute the church. It will not be a cakewalk uh, before he comes. It will be a time of intense pressure. But those, I just want you to know, though, that the pressures are not God's mad at you and judging you. He's judging the earth. The pressure we will experience will be that many in the earth will hate God and resist him. And when they look at those who follow him, they will put pressure on us. So we will need great grace and great strength in that hour. Amen? And one of the things he's going to give to us is a spirit of, of wisdom, a spirit of revelation, so we can be sober-minded, vigilant, and prayerful, as uh, the word says, in the day when he returns. Even the persecution that comes, for us this hasn't really been an experience, but talk to our brothers and sisters in other lands. Persecution for the name of Jesus is real. And it's an honor. The Bible says the early believers consider themselves honored to have suffered for the name. We haven't really experienced much of that in our nation, but persecution will come. And persecution is promised, actually, by the word of God, but it is actually another tool the Lord uses to mature us. What will happen as a result of the persecution that comes against the church at the end of the age? A worthy bride will be prepared. A worthy bride will be purified pure, through pressure. As the end of the book of Revelation states, like, let us rejoice and be glad for the marriage of the Lamb has come. The bride has made herself ready. We can say that because we've passed through by the grace and in the Spirit of God to the end. We have made ourselves ready by persevering through the pressure and the persecution. We will come out on the other side more glorious than we've ever been. We're not going to come out weak, broken, and tattered. The church will be more beautiful, more glorious, more powerful, and more pure than she's ever been. Amen? That's the storyline we're on. But it will happen through pressure, even as pressure in the earth produces precious stones, like diamonds, the pressure in the spirit will produce in us the glory of God. Amen? Because you may ask the question, you know, we have a tendency in our human frame many times to want to escape pressure and pain, and I get it. I don't like it. None of us like pressure, none of us like pain, none of us want to be persecuted. I get it. Um, in all of life, we seem to be trying to escape the pain around us, but if God allows it, there's a purpose for it. So this pressure and this, this pain, this persecution has come already on the church across the ages, and it will come in greater measure. It will Form in us the beauty and the glory that makes us a worthy bride. But what else will it do? 
as I pondered this, I was thinking, why, why is the Antichrist kingdom allowed, why does God allow the Antichrist to persecute the church? And I thought of, why, why was, you know, in, if you, we always want to interpret from a scriptural narrative, why did God give permission to the devil to torment Job? Because God knew that he would be found faithful and that the devil would lose. At the end of the age, why does the Lord allow the devil to persecute the church? Because God knows that the church will be found faithful and the devil will be humiliated. His works will not work upon the faithful bride. Amen? Under great pressure, the bride will be found faithful and the devil will utterly be humiliated. That's good news, friends. Um, so, at the end of the age, God wants to promise to us a prophetic spirit. I told you we're in Revelation chapter 10. We should actually read some of it. Revelation chapter 10, verse 1 to, three, 1 to 4 is what we're going to read today. Now, you can read all of 10 and 11 because they relate to what we're talking about. Um, but again, you're smart people, and God promises you'll be blessed if you read it. So feel free to read it. I've been reading these over and over this week. Um, but so... In the timeline, I meant to pass out this graphic. We'll pass it out later. Um, but in, we've talked about the book of Revelation. It's not necessarily a chronological story, um, that there are moments where he, po he points out um, messages to the church, and then he gives us bits of the end-time drama. So there's like the breaking of those skulls and those judgments, and then it like stops, and the angel gives a message or shows John what's happening in heaven. And so we've looked at those the last couple weeks. The first one, Revelation chapter 5, like what's actually happening? Well, Jesus just got the scroll and the, the people of God are there with harps and bowls. They're worshiping and praying. And then we get the scrolls, you know, unleashed and we get the trumpets going and, and there's a pause. And then you just, it's like answering the question in the story as you're reading. It's like the Holy Spirit made sure to tell John, hey, there's more going on than meets the eye when judgment's coming on the earth. God is up to something. Something too. And so these pause moments are where he gets visions of what's happening in heaven or an explanation of what's going on. So this is the next pause in the story. We've got these, these increasing dramatic events that will unfold on the earth, but the question we will all be asking is, what about us? What do we do? Where are we in the story? And this is the pause in the story of God saying, here's what I'm going to give you in the midst of the most intense time that the, the earth has ever seen. Now, you have to you know, just take it one step at a time because there is symbolic language used, but it's, it's made for you to understand, okay? So Revelation chapter 10, verse 1. This is the pause, this is the explanation. John says, Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, verse 1. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun, and his legs were like fiery pillars. He was holding a little scroll which lay open in his hand. He planted his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, and he gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion. When he shouted, the voices of the seven thunders spoke, and when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven say, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. So let's just stop there a second um, and just like unpack this a little bit before we go any further. So this 
This mighty angel comes down from heaven. John sees it. He's got these specific descriptors about him, um, and all of those are on purpose. Everything John sees and writes down is on purpose. It's a message to us. And then he's got in his hand a little scroll that is open. So can we just talk about this for a sec? So, um, and I'm going to run through these really fast. I didn't come up with this. This is kind of like, as you look at the, the word of God, scholars have said, what do these mean? Again, you interpret scripture with scripture, but why does the mighty angel look like this? My first pass at this, I say, that sounds a lot like Jesus. Um, and the description we saw of him in verse one, you know, his face is shining like the sun, his feet are like burning bronze. And clearly he's meant to represent Jesus even if it's not Jesus. But so here's, let me just pass over some of these descriptions so we understand what glory is coming to John because John represents you and I in the story. What he sees, we are to see, we are to experience, and we are to embrace from him. It says the mighty angel, uh, so he has great power. He's robed in a cloud of glory. So he's coming with a, a release of God's glory to the church, a rainbow around his head, a rainbow represents, remember the story of Noah, that God will be faithful to his promise. That every word he speaks is a promise he keeps. So the rainbow is the, a release of God's promises, but also of his mercy. It was mercy. I will never destroy the earth again, is what he said. And so it's representative of God's promises being released and of his mercy. His face shining of the sun is the release of God's strength and the radiance of God's face. His feet like pillars of fire, again, when we saw that in Jesus, represent the judgments of God and the finality and the steadfastness of his kingdom. His feet are planted immovable. Burning speaks of the judgments of God that come to establish the love of God, the kingdom of God on earth. Let heaven come on earth as it is in heaven. And then he cries like a roaring lion. Again, is a release of the voice of the Lord with the boldness of a lion. And so he has open a, a little scroll. Now an open scroll, this is the one we saw before, it was given to Jesus, was originally closed and sealed for Jesus, and it was large scroll. It was the title deed. It was God's plan. It was ownership to the lordship of all things was given to Jesus. This is not that scroll. It's a small scroll, and it's open. So a small scroll represents that the, what's in there is, is knowable. It's given to be heard and understood. But then the thunders thunder. The sound of the message thunders. He thunders it out. John says, I'm about to write it down. They say, no, 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 no. It's for the end of times, not for now. Don't write it down. Seal it up. And, and if you've ever read the Bible, especially the book of Daniel, that happens in the book of Daniel as well. God speaks, but it's sealed up for such a time. And that time is the time when Jesus will return. So there's a thunder that came, but there's an open scroll. The open scroll is the open revelation of God given to us. He's going to strengthen us by his word. Verse 5, And then the angel I had seen standing by the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven, and he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created all things, there will be no more delay, but in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished, or the mystery of God will be revealed. I don't have this on a slide, sorry. And then the voice I heard spoke to me, take the scroll lying open in the hand of the angel is standing on the land. So I went to the angel 
And he said, take it and eat it. Take it and eat it. In your, it, will, it will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. And so verse 10 of chapter 10, I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and I ate it. And as I ate it, it, it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten, my stomach turned sour. And then I was told, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. So there's a scroll in the angel's hand. It's open. He tells them to take the scroll and eat it. And again, this is familiar biblical language. In the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel's given the scroll, and the Lord tells him to eat the scroll. And similarly, it tasted sweet, but made his, his stomach sour. And it's talking about our, our posture before God to take the word of God and consume it. And there are times when it will taste sweet, and there are times when it turns sour in our stomach because it is, a, it is a death sentence to our flesh. The word of God is a death sentence to our selfish desires and to our sin. So there's a sweetness to it. We taste and see that the Lord is good, but it purifies us as well. And the judgments of God come to purify the earth. The word of God comes to purify the church. We, we want to have a posture before the Lord that as he speaks his word, our posture is we will eat it. We will consume it, which means we're not just hearers. But everything he speaks becomes part of who we are. Does that make sense? That we are not just hearers but doers or embodiment of the very word of God. That's the call to the people of God in the end of the age. Not just so that we are transformed. That is a given. We should be transformed by the word of God. But so that the final injunction to John and thus to you and I as the church at the end of the age, is to, that we must prophesy. We must then speak the word of God to the earth. We speak the word of God to many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. That is our calling at the end of the age, that we will have heavenly words, heavenly wisdom, revelation that is meant to be shared because the world needs it. All right? So there is going to be a people on the earth, the people of God, walking in a prophetic spirit, receiving the word of the Lord, the written word, but also by the hand of the spirit, the prophetic spirit to our spirits that brings clarity in an age of confusion. You're meant to hear the word of God. Every believer, not just the people in the pulpit, not just the people with the testimony, every believer is called to this position before God to receive the word of God and consume it. It's the greatest promise there is. And so first of all, the word of God is life. The Old Testament postures it this way, and I wanted to kind of look at some of the scriptures, but trust me and look it up if you don't believe me. When God was delivering his word to his people, he said, these words to you are life. If you don't heed the voice of the Lord, death will be your portion. The knowing, receiving, and living in the word of God really is a matter of life and death. That shouldn't be a revelation. But I want to tell you, it's specific, even in the Old Testament, say that when you heed the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, the word of God is the voice of the Lord, but that's not all the voice of the Lord is. We have today the Holy Spirit who speaks to us inside of every believer 
We have the Holy Spirit, and we should heed the voice of the Lord because it's life to us. It's life to us. So if you're not, first of all, regularly in the Word of God daily, I ask you, do you eat and drink daily? That's how you live physically. You live daily spiritually in the Word of God. If you're not daily in the Word, get in the Word of God. But also to be daily hearing the voice of the Lord. It's your promise. It's your provision. It's your birthright and inheritance in Jesus. I want to tell you that. God promised at the end of the age, at the end of days, after he died and resurrected, there would be a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to read a couple passages here. In Acts chapter 2 is the quote from the book of the prophet Joel after the Holy Spirit was being poured out on the church in those early, early days. But I want you to see it wasn't just for the early days, it was for you and me. Acts chapter 2, verse 17 to 19, Peter quotes it as the Holy Spirit's been poured out on the, the, the believers. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour my spirit on all people, all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. All right, I, just look at this really quick, because you say, well, some says that, you know, some, the older get this, the younger get that, but then it says actually men and women, and it says, I will pour out my spirit on, in those days, and they the Holy Spirit made it really clear. He sums up all the people, all the believers will get the Holy Spirit, and all of them will prophesy. Well, let me ask you this question. If everybody's going to prophesy, everyone's going to speak the word of God, how are they going to speak the word of God? They're going to hear the voice of God. Does that make sense to you? I'm telling you, I'm saying this because you need to believe that's for you. All people, all people. You know, you could even make a case it's not just for believers that, that the Holy Spirit will touch, but you can for sure say it is believers that will prophesy, see visions and dreams, and all prophesy. He says it twice. So if you're sitting in your life with Jesus, you're like, I just don't know if I hear the voice of the Lord. You must, and you will. I want to pray for you today. Because you will prophesy. You can't prophesy if you didn't hear the voice of God. You will hear the voice of God because you will prophesy. It's, it's a promise. All, all y'all, men, women, young, old, speak in the word of God because you're hearing the voice of God. And you need to be, God wants you empowered to hear his voice and know that you hear it for the day that we live in. Because you need to be a voice of clarity in an age of confusion. It's for you. It's required, but the promise is that it is given. It's not maybe, it's not I hope so, if I work really hard. It is a gift given. If you call yourself a believer, a follower of Jesus, you are therefore a son or a daughter of God. In the very birthright, the, when you were born into the kingdom, you received the Holy Spirit. I would say you heard the voice of God, whether you realized it or not. You would not have come into the kingdom, said yes to Jesus, if the voice of God had not touched your heart. You have heard the voice of God if you are saved today and in the kingdom of God today. 
You've heard his voice, whether you know it or not. But it is a birthright of believers. I'm going to read another passage from Romans chapter 8. And I'm going through these fast, but I want to read them because I want you to see it in the word. For some of you, this is ground level. For some of you, you just need the truth to break off the lies you may have believed. Romans 8, 14. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. For the Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Another version would put it this way. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God, or the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. It's your birthright. You are a son of the Father. You are a daughter of the Father. You are led by the Spirit. You, are, you hear the voice of God, John chapter 10, Jesus speaking. My sheep, listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My sheep... Listen to my voice. If you believe Jesus is your good shepherd, then you are a sheep and you hear his voice. It is guaranteed. There's no question if you do or some don't. If you know Jesus, you hear his voice. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is talking about the end of days. I want you solid in this truth that you hear his voice. I want you to step out in that. I want you to be confident because you're supposed to prophesy in the age that we live in. Matthew 24, 24, Jesus talking about the end of times, what it will look like. And this is part of the pressure that comes on the earth and that will be upon us as we are in the earth. Matthew 24, 24, Jesus says, false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders. To deceive, if possible, even the elect. Do you see the, the environment that's going to be at work and is already at work in some part in the world that we live is, is a, an environment of deception. There, there, Jesus is coming. There will be such power to the deception that it could deceive, if possible, even the elect. And I love that Jesus said it like that. Because he's saying, actually, it's not possible when you walk with me, when you hear my voice. But if it were possible, even they would be deceived. But my sheep know my voice. So they won't be deceived. But the wonders and the signs and the messaging of the hour will be so great and so attractive that it almost looks like it comes from Jesus, but God's sheep will say, eh, that's not his voice. No. When one great world leader says, we're going to bring the world together in harmony to those that don't know the voice of God, you say, well, that sounds like what Jesus would do. But those who know the voice of God say, no, 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 no. Actually, those who've read the Bible will say, no, 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 no. That's the Antichrist who made that deal with all the leaders of the nations and are bringing him together. That's not the spirit of God. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. But the elect, those who follow, the sheep who follow his voice, could almost be deceived in that hour. 
The false will be so powerful. And, just, and that's important to see. Because, you know, if the devil were running around with a, a pitchfork and horns, everybody would be like, no. But the deception will be so attractive. It will look so good. It will almost look godly. And there's, there's I would say, even some of that at work in our world today. So how, how should we then live? Jesus says, in the end of days, I will grant revelation, a spirit of revelation to my people, and they will prophesy. What do you do? Take it. Take the scroll. Eat the scroll. Position yourself before the word of God daily and before the Holy Spirit daily. And when you find yourself confused, ask the Holy Spirit for clarity, for discernment, for wisdom, because you know what? You hear his voice. And he will speak. You know what the biggest problem, why we don't hear God most of the time? You're not asking. I'm not trying to be mean. We're not listening. You're like, I don't know if I hear God. Did you ask? Did you, listen? Did you stop and listen? Did you posture yourself before him? God, I don't understand this situation. I don't know what to do about that. I need wisdom. And then you run off and try to fix it. And the Lord says, stop. I have something to say. I'm speaking from my own experience because I do that too all the time. I get so worked up and the anxiety is going and i got to have an answer and Lord help. Okay, I'm going to fix it. Lord help, I'm going to fix it. But the moments when I actually stop and, and it's not loud and it doesn't take long, the Lord will always speak. And he'll tell you exactly what you need to hear. And I want to tell you it's always that because it's not what you think it should be most of the time either. You're like, no, but I needed an answer about this. You know, what you need to know <laughs> is this. What you need to do is this. But I'm really concerned about that. But what you need to know is this. And I find for me, and again, I'm just talking about from my own experience, most of the time it's just little nuggets. I'm not yet getting like the right down the Revelation book of Revelation stuff like John got. But I'm learning to get the nuggets. And I've gone out and obeyed the voice of those nuggets, the Holy Spirit voice, enough to know he's true. It works. That when we listen, he really is speaking. And we get so caught up too, some people get so caught up in, how do I know if it's God's voice or is it me or what if it's the devil? You know, because I'm going to ask God to speak and the devil's going to talk to me. What? Jesus said, if you ask God for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's Jesus' promise. You come to him in faith, you want to hear his voice, he's going to speak. And you'll know because you're a sheep. You followed him this far. It's not going to be out of left field. It's going to look like Jesus, sound like Jesus. It's going to be Jesus. And if it's not, you'll know. But you do have to sometimes step out in faith. Like, well, I think I feel like I asked God to speak to me. I feel like I heard this and I did it. And, and, and God will come through. But the times when he doesn't come through, then you ask the question, well, I think that wasn't him. I think that was me. And then, it, you know, six months later, you find out it was him and he fulfilled it. You never know. But other times, most of the time, it's either him or us. Most of the time, when you listen for the voice of the Lord, you're going to hear the voice of the Lord. Sometimes you hear yourself, but at the end of the day, just know God's grace is bigger than your fear. 
Don't be so afraid of like, oh my God, I got it right. Just listen. Just receive. Consume the word of God. And then speak it because there must be a people who can prophesy to the hour we live in. And if it's not you and me, who is it? It's not going to be the unbeliever down the street. Now, once in a while, God will take hold. This could be the Acts 2 reality of a movie maker or a politician who doesn't care about him, but he uses them as a prophetic voice because maybe we just don't think we're hearing. He's like, let me get someone with some influence <laughs> until my church listens. I got to use somebody as a trumpet blast, but his goal and desire is that you would be the one. And you don't have to have a name, and nobody has to know you, and you don't need power or influence because the Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is effective, and if you hear and speak it, it will change things. It will change nations. It will change ages. It will change destinies. If you will hear it and speak it, it will change everything. The church, at the end of the age, will be a voice of clarity. They will prophesy. And I even believe this is part of when Jesus says the gospel, the good news, will be preached or prophesied to the ends of the earth, and then the end will come. That the people of God being bold like a lion, like the angel was roaring like a lion with the word of God, the gospel of truth, and the revelation of God at the end of the age, I believe is what will bring the great harvest that ushers in his great return. God's speaking. He's speaking to you, and his words are spirit and life. You need them like air. You need his voice like air to breathe. Commit yourself to the word of God and to the words of God. So I want us to um, respond and apply in two different ways. One, I want us to take a moment and pray uh, as a spiritual family for some things happening in our nation because we're a people of prayer, and we believe God, right, for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. Um, we don't want to belabor it. I don't have all the facts, but I know God hears and I know God answers our prayers. Um, right now, um, again, we've talked and you all agreed, there is confusion at work <laughs> in many ways in our nation. Um, there's a possible legislation that could be going through our, our government right now. And, and what I read, again, I don't know all the facts. I'm asking for discernment. Um, that it could go through without needing congressional approval. And the bottom line of it is that it's about Title IX issues, um, which covers discrimination, which I'm all for nobody being discriminated against. Let's be clear. But it could be enforced in such a way that um, it it mandates that federally funded institutions like our public schools will have to toe the line on um, ideology concerning gender fluidity and stuff like that or risk losing funding. So at the end of the day, this it could be concerning to us in that our most vulnerable are the children. And it's not okay to us for demonic agendas to be forced upon them because of federal funding, right? This is confusion. Um, we want every person loved, we want them, but we want the kingdom of God to come. So I asked Sandy to come up and lead us. She, she was a public school in public schools, teacher in public schools for how many years? 
24 years. So she's lived and breathed in that environment. And we just want to pray for the righteousness and the justice of God to be made known in this. And we as uh, eldership and leadership may share more information as we get it with you as a spiritual family to act, but we can all pray, right? We can pray. So let's stand together in prayer and let Sandy lead us. You know, Father, we sang a song today how before you died, it got so dark. And I thought to myself, what did heaven think? What did the angels think? They must have thought, what's going on? They must have felt like this is not right. This is wrong. This shouldn't be happening. And, you know, it's like sometimes, God, we feel here on earth that the, the other team just scored the touchdown. Mm. And the game just got what they won. But, Lord, you were always saying to us, no, there was a penalty on the field. I have the winning touchdown. Mm. I am the one. Yeah. And so, God, I am trusting that even with this, yeah. that you are not, of course not, you're not wringing your hands. Uh -huh. You are winning. Yes, and God. you yes, are God. majestic. Yes, God. Yes, Lord, God. I always want to say many times, not always, oh, but when the, get, the enemy just gets so wicked, I want to feel like saying off with their heads. But not you. You're yeah. a God of mercy. Yes, God. You Come are Lord. a Come God Lord. of mercy. So first thing I want to pray for is, Lord, that we have mercy yes, toward God. those yes, that are struggling with their identity. Yes, we God. do not yes, condemn. Yes. We are going to show that love that you've yes, called God. us to show, yes, that God. light. Yes, so, God. Lord... When we go through these things like this, we are learning mercy. Yes. And so help us to see how you do it, yes, and may God. we practice it. Mm -hmm. It says in Psalm 89, 14, I'm going to do the Passion Translation, your glorious throne rests on a foundation of righteousness and just verdicts. Grace and truth are the attendants who go before you. So, Lord, I'm asking for grace and truth yes, because God. there is such yes, confusion. There is yes, such God. confusion, but, God, not with you. Yes, you yes, have sure. the final say. You're the yes, winning God. touchdown, yes, and we yes, can trust yes, you, God, God, that you are winning right now, yes, though God. it's confusing. Yes, and I can't yes, tell you how many times God. you and I talked about this throughout the school year, scratching my head, mm -hmm. saying, what is happening around me? And yet, you knew. Yes, you God. knew. So we do pray for protection over our most vulnerable, our yes, children. God. Yes, God. Lord, you are the mighty one. And we know who's behind this. This mm. is of the enemy. So right now, the authority you have given us, yes, my God. brothers and sisters here, by the name of Jesus, I command the demons to leave yes. in this yes, area. Yes, it God. has to stop. Yes, you said, Jesus, <laughs> when you, you created man and woman, you said it was good. Lord, the devil is taking your good and making it twisted and making it backwards. 
bring your good to the table yes, here, God. God. Yes, God. Remind yes, people God. what is good. Yes, God. Yes, Help God. them yes, sit God. at your feet yes, hearing God. what is good. Yes, Help them to understand also as a parent you, that the parents rise up and say, enough. Yeah. Enough. Give them wisdom, boldness, bravery, courage yes, to God. say enough. Yes, God. Lord yes, Jesus, God. you are so good you are so powerful we give you praise we give you honor you're the one that's in control not the enemy though it kind of feels like he's winning the game he's already lost he lost at the cross you've nailed this to the cross already it's been nailed it's done in your name jesus amen yes lord yes lord lord we thank you And we declare that righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. And so, Lord, for our government in this hour concerning these issues, we ask that your kingdom would come. God, that you would establish your righteousness in the hearts of our governing leaders and that your justice would come. God, that ultimately what is right and true is what would be plumb-lined into the legislation, God. And that justice, that the wrong things being made right would be true for every person who's, uh, who's affected by the legislation, God. We ask for your justice, your righteousness, for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. God, we pray for the needs and the will of legislators to come into agreement with you and your word and your will. We agree for it today. In the mighty name of Jesus. If you agree, say amen. Amen. All right, stay standing. We're going to wrap up here. Um, As I said, um, we want to pray for us as the people of God in this hour. And we're bringing the kids back in because we want to pray for them as well. But God wants the spirit, his spirit of wisdom, of counsel and might to be on every believer. He wants you to walk in a prophetic spirit, and he wants you to know that you hear his voice so that you can speak his word. So I'm going to pray a general prayer. We'll go into some worship, but after that, I'm going to invite any who want to uh, receive a greater measure of discernment of the voice of the Lord and experience of the voice of the Lord to come forward, and we're going to lay hands and pray for you and for our children today. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you promised to pour out your spirit on all flesh, God, that your sons and daughters would prophesy, your old men will dream visions, and your young men would dream dreams or whatever it is, that we would all prophesy. Lord, I thank you that the promise is for every person in this room. God, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is already in every believer. But Lord, I'm asking today for an activation God, we say we believe it. Our faith is up to receive an activation today, a greater awareness of your spirit and your voice. Lord, I pray specifically today for those in the rooms who doubt, who don't think they hear you. God, that today that would be broken. God, and a new day would dawn. God, that, and that those that have never had dreams from heaven would experience dreams from heaven, God, after today. God, those who've never seen visions by inspiration of the Holy Spirit would see visions by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God, we ask that you would do what only you can do. We say, we see the need and we believe you have provided for us. 
God, clarity in an age of confusion. God, you provided for us wisdom in an age of deception. God, and we believe for your perfect provision for us, your perfect provision for every believer. And God, that you would come, you would come as we've never seen before. That you would come in this hour, Lord, for every person in this room. God, that the next time we hear a headline or an agenda, God, we would hear your voice. God, you'd give us wisdom. You'd give us clarity. You'd give us discernment. God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now just lay your hand on your heart. Thank you, Jesus. We just posture ourselves before you. Lord, if you're handing us the scroll of your word, the revelation of your heart, we say we want it. God, we say that we will eat that scroll. We say that we will take your word. We will live in it. And we will live by it. Open our ears afresh to hear the voice of God. Yeah. Say, Lord, open my ears. Lord, open my heart. Lord, help my unbelief. I want to prophesy. Use your own voice and tell me. Thank you for your promise. All right, I'm going to invite um, the elders and members of the prayer team up here. And if you just want a prayer for activation in the voice of the Lord, come on up. We'll pray for you. We'll pray for everyone in the room because you all should get it. I'm not going to force you. Let us lay hands on you and pray for you. The elders and members of the prayer team, come on up. Just as people come, begin to pray for them. Justin's going to lead us in a song of worship. Um, and yes, we would love to um, pray for all the children as well.